0: Praise God. Father, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to come into your house and to worship you and to love you. And we thank you for that opportunity and that privilege. Lord, you've delivered us from our sins. We thank you for that. I pray, God, that you would touch the sermon this morning in a special way. And I just give you glory and honor in Jesus name. amen. Amen. I'd like to speak to you for a few minutes. God wants his family back. We have been robbed long enough by the intruder. I want to say that again. God wants his family back. We have been robbed long enough by the intruder. In the beginning, the Bible says in Genesis, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit enjoyed unity. There was a flow Among them, a cooperation, a cohesion, a dance if you will, a rhythm, a perfect relationship. But something changed and this happened in heaven. There was an intrusion. And you have to ask yourself, what's an intrusion? An intrusion is an interruption. It's an interference. It's a disturbance. It's an invasion. It's a meddling. In layman's terms, it's a Budinski. There was an intrusion in heaven. You see, things don't always turn out the way you want. It didn't even turn out for God that way because he created a perfect heaven. But Lucifer rose up and desired to replace God as the supreme authority. You know, when we do our will, we replace God as the supreme authority. When we want it our way, and we decide on our plan, we replace God as the supreme authority. A split occurred in heaven, and Lucifer and one-third of heaven's angels were ejected from heaven. Isaiah told us about this in Isaiah 14 and 12. He said, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Lucifer wanted God's job. God created Lucifer. So that was impossible. Because God was greater. Lucifer was a beautiful being. He was a created angel. He was the worship leader in heaven. But Jesus told his disciples in in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. He was thrown out. I have a question for you. Is there much trouble in your family in keeping unity? Let that sink in for a moment. Is there much trouble in your family in keeping unity? Are you wondering why you're having so much trouble in your family? Is there an intruder? And let's define an intruder. It's an imposter. It's a burglar. It's a prowler, it's a trespasser, it's a stalker, it's an invader, it's a gate-crasher. Is there an intruder? And is there an intrusion that's upsetting the balance of your home? Is there a solution? Don't worry about your plan. Don't worry about your solution because God has a plan to close the door of the intruder. Amen. If you want it, that's up to you. Not everybody wants to close the door to the intruder. Amen. Some people like intrusion, some people like that. But God is a God of unity. God is a God who says, I can close the door on division. Let's talk about what happened. Lucifer is thrown out of heaven. God decided to create the Garden of Eden. The Trinity had a plan. And God put His plan into motion. And He created Adam and Eve. And they lived in the Garden of Eden in perfection. Things went well for a while. Just like heaven. How many knows that a lot of times things go well for a while? And then the intruder appears. And the intrusion comes. It seems like everything is smooth for a little bit. And then that snake rises up its head again to bite you. To intrude. To become an intruder in your life. To take hold of your mind. And take you captive. It's happening all over. It's happening in addictions. It's happening in our country. It's happening in our communities. Where the enemy is wrapping himself around and taking the breath Away from people. Is there an intruder? And is there an intrusion that's upsetting the balance of your home? Things went well in the Garden of Eden for a while. Just like in heaven. But then something changed. There was an intrusion once again. And Lucifer, who was thrown out of heaven, now crept into the Garden of Eden and tempted Adam and Eve and caused the great fall whereby their sin as our first parents came upon all of us as children. Imagine, one sin in the Garden of Eden caused a cataclysmic explosion in the spirit world, whereby God declared all of us that are born, born in sin. Think about that for a moment. Adam and Eve were put out of the garden and now receive the consequences of their sin. In a tragic murder, their son Cain killed Abel. And it's recorded as the first murder in the Bible. The first family, a mother, is now experiencing the murder of her son. Think about it. How did this happen? How did this Lucifer cause one-third of heaven's angels to vacate? How did he persuade them? How did he persuade Adam and Eve in the garden a perfect environment? To disobey God. And as a result, he intruded into their lives. Not only in their lives, but generation after generation that followed. And the family that God envisioned did not seem to be appearing as he had planned. Society became totally sinful, totally depraved, and so self-centered that God recorded in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And listen carefully. And the Lord God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Sounds like today. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. You know, sometimes we get really discouraged when things don't turn out the way we expected. You know, things didn't turn out for God the way he expected. Heaven was invaded. Then he creates the Garden of Eden, and that was invaded. So God said, I have to have a further plan. I have to get my family back. It's like a parent whose child is out there somewhere, estranged. A mother sits down, a father sits down and says, "I must get my son back. I must get my daughter back." A spouse who has left the home says, "I must get her back," or "I must get him back." This is the plan of God to get back people that the enemy has stolen and put back in bondage and in sin. But Noah. In Genesis 6 and 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So now God is rejoicing. I, I have found a righteous man. I have found a man that wants to serve God. I have found a man that's willing to obey me. And for 120 years, Noah tried to, to restore the family by building the ark and preaching righteousness. But you know what happened. Just like today, the people did not respond. Because we become our own God. We don't really want God in our country the way we used to. Church attendance is on a decline. 100 churches a week are closing. 1,800 ministers a month are leaving the ministry. Are we a Christian nation? There's a remnant there's a people in America that still love God. Amen. And because we still love God across this country, in big cities, in rural countries, in rural counties, in different states, people are rising up and they're saying, we want God and we want family. Amen. We want God and we want family. Amen. We're not peculiar that way because we want family. We're not peculiar because we want a man and a woman to marry and have children. We're not peculiar. We're biblical. I said we're biblical. Praise God. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 23. God said, I can't stand the sin anymore. I can't stand what my people are doing. I tried to get the family back through Noah. And for 120 years, God said, I was long suffering. But did they listen? No, they didn't. And in Genesis 7:23, it says, And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things, and the fowl of the air, and they that were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. Eight people out of millions that lived in that civilization at that time. Listen, this salvation is not to be taken lightly. Serving God is not to be taken lightly. <laughs> It's not a ritual. It's not a religion. It's a way of life. It's what we leave our children. It's what we leave our grandchildren. It's our posterity. Praise the Lord. After the flood, the generations of Noah were established. And man got this brainy idea that he could create his own family without the help of God. A group of people assembled and they said, you know what? We have the answer. What were they doing? Thank God the Trinity stepped in one more time. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go, let us take, make brick and Burned them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime that they had for mortar. And they said, go, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and upon the face of the whole earth. Listen, the Lord came down to see the city. What are you people doing? And in verse 5, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built it. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have one language. And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. We're trying to recreate the family in America just like in the days of the Tower of Babel. We're trying to say that the biblical process doesn't work anymore. We want to reinvent family. We want to reinvent people coming together under one roof. But God says, that's not going to work. Because it's never worked. And it never will work without God. Can you say amen this morning? So the Trinity had to step in one more time. Because it didn't work in heaven. It didn't work in the Garden of Eden. It didn't work in the days of Noah. Noah. It didn't work in the days of the Tower of Babel. And the Trinity decided on another plan to restore the family the way God desired for it to be restored. The Bible says in Genesis 12 and 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And look at this. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. What's God saying? Abram, the father. God called him, chose him, to come out of paganism, to come out of evil, to come out of sin. To depart from those that were doing those things. Even his own family. Because God called him and he obeyed God. And for many generations after Abram was called, the Jewish people became a family of God. They desired worship. Yes. They sang. They raised their hands. They worshiped God. They weren't ashamed of Jehovah. They weren't ashamed of God Almighty. Like today, we're ashamed to praise God. We're ashamed to raise our voices. We're ashamed to clap. But if there was a hundred dollar bill on the floor, people would run to it and scream and yell when they picked it up. 50,000 people can enjoy a football game and they stand to their feet and they cheer as their team is marching toward a touchdown. We go to concerts, we go to dances, and people cheer, and they have a good time. But when we come to the house of God, we seem to clam down and shut up when God wants to put a new song in our heart. Amen. Because why? Are we ashamed of God? Are we ashamed of the God that woke us up this morning? Are we ashamed of God that has given us privilege in America to be free to worship God? And that's why the pilgrims came, and that's why our ancestors came, to worship God? Amen. People make all kinds of excuses of why they can't. When God says you can, the Jewish people desired God's knowledge and his wisdom. But then something happened. The intruder came back. The intrusion reappeared. And they started not to respond. And so what did God do? He stepped in and he raised up the prophets of God. Who were willing to sacrifice their lives and be killed. To preach the word. Along came the prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos. All the prophets. And what were they saying to the people? It's time to get the family of God back. It's time to go back to the house of God. It's time to worship. It's time to pray. It's time to lift up the name of our God Almighty. And just like today, God is sending the prophets once again. He's sending big mouth preachers once again to wake up the flock, to wake up the country, to wake up the church and say, It's time to get our family back. Can you say, Praise the Lord? The people of God tried to survive without God's Spirit. You can't survive without God's Spirit. You become miserable. Your relationships become enduring friendships. No zip, no zap, no glow. Just going through the motions. Waking up, eating, going to work, watching a movie, going to sleep, going to the bathroom and doing the same thing for 70, 80, 90 years. Listen, that's just a mediocre life. That's not a life that God intended. What God intended was for us to wake up and love him and worship him. I'm a man this morning that is grateful to God, who took me out of paganism, who took me out out of alcoholism, who took me out of an alcoholic family, who God restored my mind, who took me out of academia, and restored me. Should I not praise Him? Should I not worship Him? When He put breath in my lungs this morning, and He flows blood through my veins and my arteries this morning, should I not worship my God? I must I'm not ashamed I don't care what people think of me I don't care people can walk out the door and say well he's crazy who cares because God saved my soul many years ago and took me out of bondage took me out of sin and restored me to his family praise God I said he restored me to his family and put my name in the Lamb's book of life and that's what's most important Not the praise of men, not the praise of people, not the accolades of the world, but to thank God that somehow he found me and he chose me because God knows I wasn't looking for him. Praise the Lord. Man tried to create his own life once again, and man tries to create his own church. That's what people do. People try to create their own church, and it doesn't seem to be working. Because now we have more divorces in the Christian realm than we do in the secular realm. So there's something radically wrong with the family. So what did God decide to do? He said, you know, I've tried multiple times to get my family back. And it's just like a parent who tries multiple times to get that son back, who tries multiple times to get that daughter back, and goes to great extremes to help restore them to God and to sanity and to unity in their home. The Trinity intervened one more time and this time decided to take drastic measures to create a family that would love God and love one another. This is the difference between Christianity and other religions in the world. Luke chapter one and verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. You know what God was saying here? He said, you know, since the beginning of time, I've asked you folks to worship me from the outside. I covered your sins with the blood of bulls and the blood of goats in the Old Testament. And it hasn't seemed to work in your behalf. Because you didn't respond and worship me. So here's what I'm going to do for the world. Instead of being on the outside of you, I'm going to have God come on the inside of you. If you so desire. See, this isn't religion, my friend. This isn't about being baptized. This isn't about shaking the preacher's hand and signing a book. No, this is something that's a miracle that happens. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God said, I have a complete plan now. And this plan is a very serious plan. You see, the the Trinity is very serious about creating a family that will worship God and love one another. Follow closely. God said, there's no more excuse that you got distracted because God was on the outside. There's no more excuse because I'm going to come in you if you ask me. If you ask me to come into your life and you ask me to forgive you of your sins and you walk away from evil and sinful ways, I will abide in you. I will live in you. I will talk with you. I will have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with you. I will wake up with you. I will go to bed at night, and I will be there in you. Praise God! And when you wake up and see the glorious morning, I will be in you. Yeah. You'd think everybody'd want that. I said you'd think everybody'd want that. Jesus walked up that hill. It wasn't a gold cross around his neck. It wasn't a silver cross. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was embarrassed in front of his own family and friends. He was crucified outside the city gates of Jerusalem like a dog, like, you don't belong here. You're not part of us. And he wasn't. Because he went into the synagogues. He went into churches that were stifled. He went into churches that had no spirit. He went into churches where they didn't worship God. And he stood up and he read the scroll. And from that moment on, they hated him. And from that moment on, they conspired against him to kill him. And many a times he escaped because he knew he had to go to the cross to complete his family in a way that was never done before. <laughs> the Bible says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. People go around saying, Well, God doesn't know how I feel. Yes, he does. He, does. Come on. he was tempted in every way possible. But didn't succumb to sin. He experienced diseases. And sickness. He was beaten 39 stripes. And every sickness or disease. That you can ever think of. Goes into, every, into one of those categories. 39 categories. Of sickness and disease. What he experienced on the cross. Was for your freedom. What he experienced on your cross. Was for a life of holiness. What he experienced on the cross was for you a life of power, a life of victory, a life of overcoming, a life of fighting back the intruder and closing the door and say, you have no place in my house and you have no place in my kids' lives. Setting the standard, setting the standard and God saying, call upon me, call me. Bring me into your heart and live for me and give up your plan and adopt my plan, which is called God's will and God's cup for you. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, it says, and when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. There's only one person near that cross that understood what Jesus was saying at that moment. When Jesus cried out and said, It is finished, the Roman centurion understood immediately that this was not a death, but this was to become a victory. When the Romans won a battle, one would stand on the highest rock they could find and say, It is finished. The Roman centurion, the Roman soldier knew. And he was saying to himself, This is not a death. This is a victory. And they placed him in the tomb. And they put a stone on there and a guard. But you know, on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave You see the intruder Couldn't stop Jesus from intruding into our lives The intruder could not stop the intrusion Of God's spirit Into our hearts Are you hearing what I'm saying? He tries He tries with all diligence To discourage someone Who is a child of God He tries to lure you. He tries to distract you. He's like a magnet that creeps around like a creep and tries to slither under the door and say, I'm back. (laughs) But there's something on the inside of you, my friend, that's more powerful than any intruder. Because when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, praise God, He put Satan under his feet and he's given authority to the church and given keys to the church. Praise God. Praise God that we have power over the enemy, that we have power over the intruder, that we have power over the intrusion and we should not just stand there or sit there and be hit on the head. Praise God by the serpent or by Lucifer or by his given spirit and sit around and say, oh, I'm just depressed. Oh, I'm just tired. Oh, I'm a loser. Oh, I'm never going to make it. You're just giving him power. Right, right. You're just giving him power. People walking around. Not understanding who they are as a child of God. Not understanding who they are as a son or daughter of God. We are children of God. We are royalty. We are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people that has been called out. Don't call me common. Come on. Don't call yourself common. Common. It's the enemy that wants to drag you into the street, drag you into their beds, drag you to the crack houses, drag you to the pipe. Come on now. Yeah. The intruder comes in so many different forms. (laughs) Oh, he's so cute. Oh, he's so cute. Look how buffed he is. Yeah. Does he know God? I said, does he know God? Does he come to the house of the Lord? Listen, when a dad invests in a daughter and you invest in that girl all your life with your wife and you make sure that she's raised, you don't don't want some... You know what? I'll get myself in trouble here. Coming along and stealing her and taking her and causing her to do things that are unholy and convince her that it's okay or slap her around a few times or be possessive and isolate her from her mom and from her dad and from her family you see that's the work of Lucifer that's the work of an abuser to isolate to distract you To make you think that you need that kind of love. When what we really need is God's love in our hearts first. And when you get God's love in your heart, you will not be distracted by the snake or by the enemy. That gives you a good line of you-know-what. I've seen it. I've been in the ministry a long, long time. I've counseled thousands of people. And especially women. In the prison setting especially. Where they were lured manipulated because they came from broken homes many of them and they just wanted to be held and loved but they accepted the lies of the intruder and they accepted the lies of intrusion listen, it works only for a while and then something happens the darkness sets in the loneliness sets in and that person comes in and out of our life to intrude No commitment, no love, no marriage. Listen, my friend, God is serious about getting his family back. And he's so serious that he is setting this whole scenario up in the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ. What's God saying? He said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. How is God going to create this family through the birth of Jesus? He chose disciples. He chose the local church to practice love and relationship, to teach our children and our grandchildren the ways of God and how to solve problems spiritually. Listen, I was a pretty good athlete growing up. I can teach my grandchildren how to play baseball, how to throw a football. And how to play basketball you might be able to teach your children or your grandchildren different trades and different things That's right. but when it comes to the end That's right. I said when it comes to the end right. God isn't going to ask my children or my grandsons or my granddaughters how good they played in a sport That's right. he's not going to ask them how far they hit a baseball He's not going to ask them how many awards they won. He's going to ask them a question. What did you do with Jesus? See, that's what's most important. I said, that's what's most important. And as a grandfather, and as a grandmother, or as a father and as a mother, if we go according to the book of Deuteronomy, it's up to us to instill into our children the desire for the spirit of the living God because that's our posterity and to show them and to bring them to the house of God and show them the ways of God because the local church that God has set up is a family of God no matter how big or how small it's the family of God where children can be socialized with adults because listen listen to this one fact The goal of a parent is to raise that child to become independent and to go out into the adult world. It's nice to play when you're a kid. I loved playing when I was a kid. It's nice to have games. It's nice to to play ball. It's nice. But there comes a time when you start to realize, I'm getting older. I'm going to graduate high school. And I'm going to have to go out into the real world, and who am I going to be dealing with? I'm not going to be dealing with little children. I'm going to be dealing with adults. And I want to tell you, one of the greatest places of child socialization is the church, where they can have uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters, praise God, and cousins spiritually, hallelujah, to show them the love of God. Are you with me? Look around our communities. Look how many houses you passed this morning where people don't attend the house of God. And we wonder why church attendance is on the decline. Because people have everything they want. They got their pleasures, their boats, their golf, their country clubs. They got this, they got that. They got nice cars, nice houses. They have all that. So they say to themselves, why do I need God? Because it says... In the book of Revelation, the Laodicean church, you have everything. You say you're rich, you're increased with goods, but God said you're miserable, you're blind, and you're naked. But who wants to accept that? Who wants to hear preaching like this? Who wants to hear the word of God? Because one day we might wake up to a nightmare. I said one day we might wake up to a nightmare. Do you have any idea what's going on in our country? They're trying to unseat a president that 63 million people voted into office. He swept the Bible Belt, Sorry, come on. the evangelical vote. He won all of the South, the Bible Belt. And we have a group of lunatics that are not allowing due process. So listen, how would you feel if you went to court? And when you walked in, they said, you're guilty. And you need to prove yourself innocent. When in our country, you used to be, you're innocent until you're proven guilty. And you can have no witnesses. You can have no lawyers. You can have nobody representing you. And we're going to have a meeting in the basement of the Capitol. And we're going to close the door so you can't attend. And then when we're done, we're going to come out and we're going to say, we're going to vote for your removal. Wow. And most people are just going about their business today with no burden on their heart for their country. No burden on their heart for a president that's trying to do something. 266,000 jobs last month. Unemployment down again 3.5%. Financial experts saying the economy has never been this way, even during the days of President Reagan. So why would you want to impeach a president? that has brought prosperity back to your land that has brought 7 million jobs back to your country who has the courage to stand up to foreign nations and say we're not doing it that way yeah, come on. we're going to get respected again as America. Because you know what? We give you money. We give you food. We give you resources. We dig your wells. We help you with your farming. We give you medicine. We give you missionaries. And it's about time that the people of the United States who are giving their taxpayer money get respected once again in our world and say, guess what? America has been blessed and we've blessed you. I know some will not like this preaching. They didn't like the prophets preaching either. No, sir. It's time that men of God stand behind the pulpit. Like I spoke to you a few weeks ago during the American Revolution. It was the pastors that took up arms. And I'm not saying that we should do that. It's the pastors that fought for freedom. It's the pastors that took off their cloaks. It's the pastors that rallied their men. It was the, 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 the men of God, the ministers in New England. Who said it's time to fight for your freedom. Farmers, storekeepers, bankers, common men, doctors, lawyers, whatever, decided that family was more important, that freedom of speech and freedom of religion was more important than anything else they had going on in their life. And my friend, if we lose our freedom, there goes your freedom to worship your God. Just go into foreign countries and ask people in China who have underground churches, who by the hundreds every day are being murdered and martyred because they will not give up their faith in Christ. And we're complaining in America. We're complaining in America. And we want more when God has blessed us. The Bible says in John 20 and 20, and he puts the burden on us this morning. Then said Jesus to them, he says, peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had thus said this, he breathed it on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. God wants to prepare his church. Because he's going to be looking for employees. You follow me for a few more moments. In the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. Do you know what people can do when they're in one mind in Christ? You know what kind of worship you can have when everybody is in sync? When nobody has their hands in their pocket? When everybody's opening their mouth and God's putting a new song in their mouth? Come on, my friends. It's time. It's time. We're on the precipice. Don't people see? Don't you see what the prophets wrote? It's like writing about our country once again. You say, you're giving me fear, pastor. No, I'm giving you hope because God has given us a plan, praise God, to bring back the family, hallelujah, and to bring back the church in America. Not with programs, not with nonsense, not with numbers, but with love and relationship and by the power and the spirit of the living God. Amen. People boast about their numbers, boast about how big their church is, boast about their programs. Is it bodies or disciples? Anybody can bring bodies into a church. But the question in the last day is going to be, are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Christ that is sold out to him with no distraction that's saying, I will follow you all the way, God, even to the end? That's what it will come down to if we're not careful. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. My God, if that wind blew in some churches, the pastor would drop dead. <laughs> the, of Jesus. the ushers would say, what? Close the doors. Yeah. Must be a hurricane. Imagine the pastor preaching more than 10 minutes. Imagine getting more than just a sermonette. Imagine just being lulled to sleep and saying to yourself, when is he going to quit talking? (laughs) They were filled. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire as it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hey, don't go down to that holy Roller church. Those people are weird. They talk in different languages down there when they're praying. Be careful of those people fastest growing movement in the world Pentecostal and you know they've done studies concerning Pentecostal people and believe it or not they say we're the most well adjusted people as Christians I like that study they say we're crazy I'm okay listen I used to be a psychologist I know the signs of crazy I know the signs of mental illness. I studied that for a long time. I'm okay though. Because I'm okay in Jesus. And I love God. And I'm not ashamed of God. And I love to praise God. I love when I hear my grandchildren in the house. Singing the songs that they hear in church. Or saying to their mommy. You know pastor. You know pa preached on Sunday ma. And recite something that. Their grandfather said. I love that. Not to give praise to me, but praise to God because I want, to know, I want you to know something. Children are always listening. Well, they, are they don't have all this traffic up here. That's right. Be careful what you're saying mm-hmm. in their presence. They don't have all that traffic up here. They can be playing on the floor. They can be building something and you'll be having a conversation and they'll say, what does that word mean, grandma? Mm-hmm. Oops. What? You were listening. Sure they were. Because yeah. they're sponges. They're not like us with all this stuff that's on our mind. We have so much traffic going. And none of us are going 55 miles an hour. We're going 75 miles an hour in a 55 mile zone. Because we got so much information up there. It's the information highway. It's texts. It's internet. It's phones. It's calls. It's voicemail. We're so inundated with the things of the world. So, are you looking for a job? You say, well, Pastor, I have one. Well, I want to give you another one. God is looking for employees. Here's what he's looking for. He's looking for a few sinners. And he's looking for some messed up people who need a job. I said, God is looking for a few sinners and some messed up people that need a job. He ain't looking for the goody-good two-shoes who think, oh, I'm okay. I got it all together. I'm a good person. Jesus said none are good. God's looking for the filthy. He's looking for the unrighteous. He's looking for sinners. He's looking for people that are messed up. And have no way out. Because the intruder has come in and wrapped himself around them. And they can't even breathe anymore. Jesus said, I can give you a job. What are you saying, Pastor? Listen, God wants to dance with us, so to speak, and create a family that can dance together in His love and in His grace. You know, not everybody wants to dance. I said, not everybody wants to dance. Not everybody wants to get along. Not everybody wants unity. That's unfortunate. You have to really look at people's personality and ask yourself a question. Why do people want division? Why do people want hatred? Why do people want to just break up a family? Why do people want to do that? Because they don't have the spirit of God. Hey, listen, you can say you go to church. You can say you do all these things and blah, blah, blah. But listen, if you're not for him, you're against him. If you're not for him, you're against him. him. He's made it very plain. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, he says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Wait a minute. I thought that was the preacher's job. Partly. You see, God's looking for employees. And he's saying, listen, I created all of these people I want them back. Or I want to give them the opportunity to come back. Are you hearing? How do we do that? Well, we have little kids classes on Wednesday. And we teach little kids about Jesus. We teach them about God. Because, you know, when you get older, you see, if you can get a kid before eight years old, you're probably going to get them. But if you wait longer and longer and longer, the odds of someone coming to Christ diminishes phenomenally. Because we're stuck. Oh, I have a church. I was raised this way. I was baptized when I was three weeks old. But do you know Jesus? Have you had a personal experience with Jesus? That's what matters. And people are dying and going to hell thinking... They're a Christian because the snake has come into their heart and intruded them and it's caused a great intrusion, making them believe that their way is the right way. It's not. The way that's the right way is the way of God. There's a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. You meet a lot of people that say, Oh, I'm a Christian. Really? Listen, I was raised in Brooklyn, and everybody knows Brooklyn was mob country. Some of the vilest killers and heads of families were ushered into St. Bernadette's Church with nine priests in a high mass acting like they were the Apostle Paul when they were responsible for hundreds of murders. Are you kidding? You, 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 you think that we can preach someone into heaven? But yet those people would say a Christian ceremony, a Christian burial. No, it's not the word. Our father is God. The father of those that are not saved and are in sin, their father is Lucifer. And God is trying to bring them into the family of God so that God can be their father. And how can that happen? We as ambassadors go out into the world. Not everybody gets to preach behind a pulpit. Listen, do you think I would do this because of my choice? You gotta be crazy. Or called to preach the gospel. I'm telling you what's the truth. Because you know what? It's easier for me to get in my car and come here two minutes to ten And sit in a chair and hear the preacher preach. It'd be wonderful. I'd be one of the best church members. But to stand before a group knowing that you're a sinner. Saved by grace. And God calling you to this calling to preach the truth to people. That you know it's going to get under their skin at times. You know it's going to step on their toes. But you as a parent, what would you say to your child that was doing something that wasn't right? Would you just overlook it? Would you let the intrusion come in your house back and forth, back and forth, and say nothing about it? If you do, you're wrong. We must speak up. We must be ambassadors. We must love. We must want unity. We must embrace. We must teach that in the house of God and in our homes. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, my friend, even though we're Christians, the intruder is still among us. Wanting to cause havoc. Wanting to play with the minds of our children. Wanting to break up homes and marriages. You know, I've been here a long time. And I think one of the greatest blessings that we have experienced in this church besides the church's generosity is marriages that are still together. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Marriages that are still intact. It may not be where you want it right now. But they're still together. It's kind of like one of my female clients in prison said, I'm not where I want to be, pastor. (laughs) But I'm not where I used to be. It may not be where you want it to be right now. But it'll get there if you follow the plan of God. And recognize the intruder for who he is. Let me close. The intruder desires to devour God's family. Our personal families. God puts us in a local church. To practice relationship. And love toward God and toward each other. He sends us out as ambassadors to add to the family of God. It's by our love through Christ that they will know that we are Christians. Listen friends, we are sinners saved by grace. That's what the word says. But as we approach others in the same manner that God approached us. With love and long suffering and mercy. They might just give up their plan for life for the plan of God for their life. I had a plan. Mm -hmm. My plan was to be a baseball player. I worked hard at it. And when that plan didn't develop, I planned to be a rich psychologist. Mm -hmm. That was my plan. Everybody knew that. They knew me. Had it all set up. And God took that plan and said, I have a different plan for you. And unbeknownst to me, God speaking to me from the sky saying, I want to be your friend. Call me to preach the gospel. I'm pretty sure that some of the people I grew up with in Brooklyn, who knew that I became a preacher, would probably turn around and say, You got the right guy? You got the right guy? Really? Fred Colombo? A preacher? But that's what God can do. He saved me. He chose me. He ordained me. He saved you. He chose you. And He ordained you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. In the message version, as I close, it says this We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Become a friend with God. I weep and I grieve of the many families that have been divided in our country. You know, you've read stories and you've met your girlfriends or your man friends who have sat down with you and have said, I'm no longer married, I'm divorced. The kids are here, the kids are there. Everything is all messed up. How did this happen? How did it happen that two people could walk down an aisle in love Stand before God and a preacher and say I do and pledge the rest of your life together because of the intruder. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we must wake up to the fact that we are in a spiritual warfare and not be lulled to sleep with passivity but to stand to our feet and say God I'm in this fight and as long as you're alive and you're living in a home you're in a fight for your family hear me Mm -hmm. and I want to say something to you those of you who are parents and maybe your children have gone from the home parenting never stops You may think it stops. Because you don't know what goes on behind closed doors in the empty nest. Between a mom and a dad. Praying for your children. You have no idea what goes on behind the scenes when it comes to your grandchildren. Knowing what you know. Reading what you read. Knowing that they're always in danger going out into this world. And trying to bring them the spirit of the living God to keep them pure and holy. Friends, we're in a fight for our families. We're in a fight for the family that God wants to create biblically. And it's that family, my friend, that God is calling together as a remnant, as a people. To love him, to worship him, and to bless his holy name. God bless you and thank you for listening.